Live at 5, Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Twins and Pirates, a weekend series uh, this weekend, Jim. The Pirates, a team that started hot early and then kind of hit June and swoon and turned into who they've been for a while, 13 games under 500. But for the Twins, they continue to be a little above 500, playing good baseball, remaining in first place, but... You know, uh, there's some questions to answer as they head down the stretch to get the most out of their team uh, to finish up as division champs. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there aren't that many teams in baseball who don't have questions right now. Right. Um, and Twins' major question right now to me is the eighth inning. Uh, you know, it was supposed to be Jorge Lopez's job. That didn't work out. Uh, Jax got rocked last time he went out. Emilio Pagan, nobody wants to hear this. And, and what if I told you in June that Max Kepler was going to be their best player and Emilio Pagan was going to be their best reliever for a long stretch of time? Uh, it, yeah. The game's crazy. And yeah. that's why we all love jumping to conclusions, and in baseball so often the game will prove you wrong because it's such a weird sport. Yeah. Uh, but Pagan has been fantastic for a long time now. Uh, he's handled some pressure situations lately. He might be a great thinking guy right now. Brock Stewart, whenever he gets back, could take over because his stuff is electric. Um you know, field bar's been excellent, so he's kind of your lefty, sometimes eighth-inning guy. They need to figure out, you know, how, how the late inning is going to work. Duran has not been as locked down lately as he was previously. They needed him back on track. But, you know, honestly, they're in good shape. Yeah. Um, they just need to win. Keep They need to win series, and they should win this series. They have dramatic pitching advantages on Friday and Saturday. And then Sunday, they have Keuchel, who's a mystery, going up against a mediocre Pirate starter. That's game you have to win with the bats. Um, I think Royce Lewis has been phenomenal. Yeah. Walner's been excellent. Kepler's been excellent lately. Um, you know, Gallo wins some games for you. They, you know, they're kind of putting together a lineup now. Polanco should get it going at some point, and you're going to get Kirilov back, and eventually you can get Buxton back. So, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I've been saying all year this has the makings of a really good team, mm-hmm. and. Guess what? We're in the mid-August, and I'm still saying they have the makings of a really good team. <laughs> and we hope those makings come true here the rest uh, of the way down the stretch. Talk a little more about uh, Duran. Uh, he's, he's getting hit a little more frequently. He's not a high spin rate fastball guy, but 103 keeps him off it uh, quite a bit in the splinker. But, you know, the, the location hasn't been quite as good recently. No, and the velocity's down a little bit, too. Uh, so, it, you know, it looks to me like he's going through a bit of a dead-arm period. Mm-hmm. And he's just trying to work his way through it. Uh, he's, you know, his top fastballs lately have been 101 instead of 103, 104, 105. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't look quite as confident throwing it. Um, it's still 101. He still needs to throw it. And he also, last year when he was at his best and earlier this year when he was at his best, it wasn't just 101 or 105. It was 101 on a corner or yeah. higher than they could hit it. Um, the command has not been as good lately. And then when he goes to his breaking pitch, um, you know, they don't have the in, innate fear of the fastball, so they can they seem to be able to time the breaking pitch a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I would just, you know, I, I think that even if it's, his fastball isn't 100%, I think he needs to uh, command the fastball, get ahead with the fastball, and then when people are looking for the fastball, then throw the breaking pitches, and that's when the breaking pitches are devastating. Does it not take a lot of training for guys to hit 101? I've heard them talk about the high-velocity machines that they face. Can you enlighten us a little bit on how they do some of that training? Because there's so many guys pushing 100 miles an hour now. Yeah, I mean, it sounds new age. It's really just taking the same old pitching machine you used to have and either putting it closer to the plate or ramping it up even higher. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
when and I, I know many else know those are dirty words in Minnesota, but when they had some luck with him at times over his last few years, he'd get into a slump and he was getting beat by high fastballs, and they would just you know put the pitching machine out there like forty five feet away and ramp it up to however many hundred miles an hour and just crank high fastball after high fastball. And to hit a high fastball with authority, you have to be really quick and really efficient. And that's what they do. You know, you can either uh, ramp up the fishing machine uh, from the 90-foot, you know, from the, uh, the normal uh, distance, or you can move it closer, and it makes people have to react even quicker. Uh, Jorge Polanco has a team option, I think, for $5.5 million roughly after this season. That seems like a bargain in today's baseball, unless you have kind of a glut at a position. Uh, what do you think happens with Polanco after this season? I think they're trying not to think about it yet, mm-hmm. so I don't think they've made a decision. Um, and there's so many moving parts here. You know, mm-hmm. if, if Buxton's going to play center field, and you have confidence that he's going to play center field next year, then, oh, so let, let's take it position by position. Mm-hmm. Kirilov's your first baseman, if healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julianne's probably your future second baseman. Uh, Correa is your shortstop. Royce Lewis is your third baseman. Brooks Lee is going to be knocking on the door. You have Polanco. And so if the DH spot is open, maybe there's some room, maybe, you know, six players for five spots, basically, or five players for six. So six players for five spots might work, knowing that somebody's always going to be hurt and somebody's always going to be slumping and you want to play matchups. That could actually work. Mm-hmm. Blanco's your DH one day, and you know uh, Julian's your and, and maybe Julian's your DH because Blanco's a better defender. Uh, you know maybe there's a way of working that around. Mm-hmm. If, uh, but the easy thing to do is going to be able to say, okay, we're just going to save money in Blanco. We have enough good players. Now let's talk golf a little bit here. Uh, I uh, the BMW Championships this weekend. I like how the PGA Tour has kind of condensed their schedule. I think it was smart of them to get away from the NFL on Sundays, where where the PGA Tour wants to be king, and you're not going to be against the NFL on Sunday. So moving the playoffs to August, I thought was a brilliant move. Uh, several years ago, I think now or a few years back, anyway. But I looked at next year's schedule, and the 3M Open continues to be the week after the British Open. Uh, do you think they need a different spot on the calendar uh, in order to be a signature event, and can they get it? They need it. I don't think they're going to get it. Ah. I just don't see how a relatively new tournament in Minnesota, week after the British Open or, or any time of the year, I just don't see how they're going to – who are they going to displace? You know, they have to, It's not just like the PJs can say, oh, let's add the 3M. They're going to they're gonna have to be – better or bigger or richer or they're going to have some kind of have some kind of hook that's going to move them ahead of somebody who already has a signature event. I just don't see it happening. I just think it's going to continue to be a nice little tournament in Minnesota. Are we not seeing a separation of the PGA Tour? It's almost like they're creating, like if the Corn Ferry Tour is AAA and the PGA Tour is the major leagues, it's like they're creating a quadruple A uh, event, especially for a lot of guys now that are outside the top 50 who have no guarantee of getting in those signature events. Yes, Mm. and the PGA's problem is they had to and have to keep their top members, their stars, happy. And the stars want to play less and make more money. Mm-hmm. And that really is tough on the rest, the, the, you know, the, the outside the top 50 guys. Because they're just scrambling, trying to get, and, you know, I mean, I guess it could be good for them in one way is 
when one of them chooses to play in the 3M, they're not facing murderers row, and they got a chance of getting a top 10 or a t- chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it's definitely a two-tier, and it's intentionally a two-tier to please the, the, it's A, to please the top players, and B, to please the advertisers advertise with the top events, because then now they know that the top players will all be at the top events instead of being some here, some there. I've heard a few squeaks from some of the um, not as highly rated players saying just what you've said. All of this is created for the big names in the game. And then they ask Royal McIlroy about those comments and others. And they say, well, just shoot the scores. And you know what? The PGA Tour is the ultimate meritocracy. Go out there and shoot low scores and you'll get to where you want to. Yeah. And it's really, you know, one of the things I don't like about the NFL, the NBA, uh, sometimes baseball is you know, the union just doesn't even care about the average player or the lower-ranked player. They just care about getting the biggest contract for the biggest star players. And guess what? That means that, you know, the veteran, the average veteran, is probably going to have to take less so they make more, you know, make way for the big stars. Mm-hmm. It's not really how a union is supposed to work. Uh, PGA, it's a little more blatant. There is no union. Yep. It's the top players want to make the money. The top players have all the power. They have all the clout. They're the ones that they decided to form a different league or leave for a different league. It would damage the PGA terribly. It just, it, and I hate to say it is what it is. I hate that saying, but in this case, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that all works out next year. We'll get a, a better look and hopefully some clarity in the offseason about what's going on with all this, although I'm not anticipating that necessarily. Eventually, you're going to have to figure this stuff out. I, I really think one of the, and I've said this before to you, I think one of the major things here is the DOJ is taking a hard look at the relationship mm-hmm. between Live Golf, the Saudis, uh, certain political figures. Where's the money coming from? How is that money even spent? Why, why is it rewarding certain people? Do you really want that money taking over an American sport? I think there's some. I think there's a lot riding on how the DO, DOJ reacts to all this. Jim, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Great, thanks, Todd. Live at five, sports at Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.